Hey y'all, I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. We are the registered dietitian nutritionists and hosts of Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. So we wanted to tell you what our podcast is all about. Our podcast is designed to educate and excite conversations in women's health, food, nutrition, wellness, and cross-cultural health topics. Every week, we'll discuss proven techniques with an entertaining flair to energize you and encourage you in your journey to a healthier, physical, mental, and social well-being. So hold up, hold up, Jay. We're going to tell them what this means in other words. So our podcast isn't only focused on the black and white of food and nutrition, because you know if you have a problem, your problem is almost always a different shade of gray. Am I right? right? For instance, one can argue that kale is healthier than spinach, but is it really though? In Nutrition Lifestyles, we're going to take you on a journey. We're going to teach you how to break down the latest craze in food when it comes down to pop culture. So if your goal is to live a better lifestyle and you are interested in becoming a better you, then listen to this episode to find out how. And also subscribe to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And don't forget to share this with your friends. Hey everyone, welcome back to Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne. I'm Kim. And I'm Joanne. And today we will be talking about fertility and menstrual issues. So having a menstrual cycle or period is a natural part of our lives as women. Regular cycles or puberty starts with varying ages from person to person. Some people start as early as eight years old. Some people start in the middle of their teenage Mm -hmm. life. The end of a menstrual cycle is what we know as menopause. So having a regular period, meaning every month between puberty and menopause, typically means your body is working normally. That's typically. So having issues with your menstrual cycle, this can indicate that you have some kind of health issue going on. And some of these health issues, they can be pretty serious. Um, These issues can require medical professionals such as your PCP or your gynecologist or even us to interject in your lifestyle and make changes. So we thought this would be an important topic to discuss, especially as women. And I I have a lot of friends, family members who deal and struggle with fertility issues and trying to figure out what it is that they can do to make changes to help them with these issues that they experience. So first off, we're going to talk about menstrual problems, right? So for me, this hits home a lot, heavy menstrual bleeding. I remember in my teenage years and even in my twenties that I would bleed so heavy you and, I and both. it was so much so that, you know, it would basically knock me down for the first couple of days. Heavy bleeding or heavy menstrual bleeding is defined as abnormal bleeding or abnormally heavy bleeding for a prolonged period, mm-hmm. right? And there are some signs and symptoms that come along with those that we want you guys to know about. So soaking through one or more pad or tampon every hour for several consecutive hours, bleeding for longer than a week, passing blood clots that are larger than a quarter having symptoms such as anemia, feeling tired all the time, or fatigued, even experiencing shortness of breath can come along with this 
heavy bleeding diagnosis. That's me. Like I said before, you know, I experienced this a lot during my 20s and even in my teenage years. And I always remembered being anemic, even when I was younger. My cycle would sometimes, it would come on for five days and then it would stop for two and then it would come back on for three. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. And I would have heavy bleeding. I would be nauseous. I'd be vomiting. Like I'd lose a lot of weight during my um, menstrual cycle. And the pain was so bad. Like I would be in bed all the time for the first few days because I was in so much pain. Man, Joanne, you know, listening to your story, I see there's a lot of similarities in my story as well, especially like with the heavy menstrual bleeding. I thought like I was the only one that had all of these issues going on. But obviously I see that's not true. And I can just imagine like how much more other women had these issues as well. Yeah, there are a lot of women because even within my family, I know my mom, her sisters, there's a lot of women who experience these. Yeah, all these issues. I remember sharing with you guys that I follow a vegan diet, but I never told you my reasoning. I never told you my why. So I became a vegan because I was diagnosed with a condition called dysmenorrhea which is an abnormally heavy menstrual flow, basically everything that Joanne mentioned, that is accompanied by pain. And I also had um, iron deficiency anemia. So iron deficiency anemia is something very common. It's actually the most common type of anemia in the world. And it's a condition which uh, the blood lacks an adequate healthy red blood cell supply. Mm. So it really doesn't have that iron in there. So red blood cells are responsible for carrying oxygen to the body tissues. So women who bleed excessively during their periods, they may get iron deficiency anemia and experience that uh, feeling of tiredness, fatigue, and even shortness of breath. I remember even when I was eating a lot of red meat when I had my period, I was still very severely anemic. To the point where like my mom could just look at me and say, Kim, you know, you looking kind of pale. Like, are you on your period kind of thing? And it's so funny because, you know, Joanne, you mentioned earlier that your mom and your aunts had the same condition. Like my mother had a similar condition as well. So I don't know if genetics has anything to do with it. I think it does because, you know, I I grew up with these women around me having these symptoms that I did. So I definitely think, and I remember my mom telling me, don't worry when you have your first child, you know, your symptoms are going to go away. You're not going to feel like this anymore. And she was kind of right. After my first kid, pretty much most of it died out. Oh, that's awesome. So I have something for it to look to. (laughs) That is good. So when I was about 16 years old, I went to my mother's gynecologist because as I stated before, like my periods were horrible. I will be down like the first 48 to 72 hours. I mean, I couldn't eat nothing. I was vomiting all the time. I was vomiting up bile at that. Mm. And my OB, my mom's gynecologist, she wanted to put me on birth control. So if you know anything about old school Caribbean mothers, (laughs) that's not going to happen. 
So instead, she gave me a prescription for some really strong pain medications. Girl, I cannot believe this story sounds so similar to mine because I remember the same thing. And I, I had bad migraines and I had the bile and all that stuff. I was vomiting too. And my mom went to the gynecologist and the gynecologist was like, ma'am, if you get her on birth control, it's going to regulate everything and she's going to feel a whole lot better. And my mom was like, uh, hell no. You think you're going (laughs) to, you know, give my daughter these birth control pills so that she can go and have sex? Not happening. It was crazy. This lady rather had me in pain because she was not having it. I'm telling you. Yeah. My mom thought too, that it was a license for me to go and have sex. And my, uh, my mom's GYN, the one that she brought me to, she was Jamaican as well. So she was trying to explain to my mom. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that she realized like, okay, yeah, it's the old school Jamaican mentality. I'm, it's not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to win. So here's some, here's some pain medication. And mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember the name of the prescription grade pain medications, but I just remember that they made me feel groggy, but it really did keep the pain away. The only problem was... I'm not really like a medication person. So I didn't want to rely on prescription grade pain controllers and I had to do something about it. So with um, the urging of one of my friend's mom who was following a vegan diet and had bad periods herself and was from the Caribbean, she basically encouraged me like, hey Kim, why don't you try going vegan? When I actually tried going vegan, it was my freshman year of college and she came over for the weekend and she just saw me laying up on the floor. Cause I mean, when when that pain hits you, you just stay where you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is no moving to the bed. No, nope. You just stay where you are for a couple hours until that pain is gone. So how do you feel about becoming a vegan with your symptoms? Like how did it, do you feel like it worked? I do, honestly. So along with becoming a vegan, I started exercising, doing like a lot more um, cardio aerobic exercises Mm -hmm. um, because I was always in some type of sport. So if it wasn't track and field, it was soccer. And I realized when it wasn't season, my periods will come like full force. So I realized becoming vegan and starting exercising a little bit more for me, it reduced the size of the clots and the Mm. amount of clots that I would experience as well as the pain. The pain was my biggest thing. Well, that's pretty awesome. I'm glad that it did something for you um, because I know that pain is horrendous. That thing is bad. And I'm not saying that it's going to work for everyone. I just did like a little experiment on myself. So I don't want you guys to go and say, Oh, Kim, the dietitian told me. No, Kim did not tell you nothing. Kim <laughs> told you what worked for her. Right. Everybody is different. Um, what works for one may not work for another. Another part of this that I see a lot is people being amenorrhea. So true. And coming to me and asking me what they can do. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. And um, if you didn't know, there is primary and secondary amenorrhea. So with primary amenorrhea, you basically have not had a cycle ever in your life. And your first cycle probably occurs around the age of 15 or 16. And you see this a lot with teenage girls who are very athletic. And the fact that they're training so hard and so long um, has caused a delay in their first cycle ever occurring. So that's primary amenorrhea. Mm-hmm. When it comes to mm-hmm. secondary amenorrhea, where we see this with people who are older outside of their teenage years, 
it's when you've had a menstrual cycle, like you've had your first menstrual cycle, but then you get your menstrual cycle can stop for like three consecutive months at a time. Mm. And that's what would be considered as secondary amenorrhea. And this can be caused and can be related to being significantly underweight or significantly overweight. So with weight, you may wonder like, how does weight affect your period and how it can affect your menstrual cycle? So with fat cells, you know, fat cells, they make estrogen, right? So your ovaries, which are the reproductive organs of the body, they also make the hormone estrogen. And with too much estrogen, this can cause your body to react as if you were on birth control pills. And this can prevent you from ovulating and having a monthly period. So that's where the overweight, obese part can, how it can affect your periods and being amenorrheic. Now, on the other side of things, if you are underweight and you don't have enough body fat, your body does the opposite, resulting in low estrogen levels, and then you stop having a period altogether. And we see this a lot, even with women who are anorexic, their period and their menstrual cycles will stop because of the fact that they don't have enough body fat to have a cycle for their periods to start. You know, that is very interesting because I remember while you were speaking, when I was in my early 20s, there were a few girls that I knew on the FSU track and field team. And I mean, these girls were fit. Like you can bounce a dime off of their abs. (laughs) But to me, it seems like that they had secondary amenorrhea because I mean, they did not have much body fat at all and they didn't have a period. And initially I was like, man, I don't want my period either. But looking back, I'm grateful for it. Pain and all, because even though these girls looked good, they were training at such a high intensity, competitive um, college college level sports. One of them actually went on to the Olympics that they didn't have a period. Right. And if I can't, I may be wrong, but if I remember correctly, women with body fat percent less than 15%, they that's when they start seeing uh, changes in their a menstrual cycle. That's when they can become amenorrhea. Wow, that is crazy. So with amenorrhea, there are health problems that come as well. So that's why I was saying, you know, in hindsight, pain and all, I'm glad that I did have a monthly period because osteoporosis and cardiovascular, aka heart disease, are two health problems that can result from not having a period. So osteoporosis is a popular term and it is simply a condition that causes the bones to become weak and brittle. So having a low estrogen level, as in the case of the anorexic person, anorexic woman, can result in weak and brittle bones. Also, cardiovascular disease, um, as I said before, it's heart disease. So when you have amenorrhea, your ovaries may no longer make estrogen. And estrogen does have some protective benefits against having you develop heart disease. So with women, you know, we start our menstrual cycles at a certain age early on in our lives and we end up in menopause sometime throughout our life. And normally you'll see a woman going through menopause between the ages of 45 and 55. Early menopause is when a woman starts their menopause before this stage, before this 45 years old. So let's clear things up a bit. With amenorrhea, you know, you're missing three periods, three consecutive periods in a row. But when it comes to menopause, it means that your period has stopped altogether. Like you 
will no longer have a period. So it's kind of different from having amenorrhea and being menopausal. Some of the symptoms of early menopause, like I didn't know that this occurred as much as it does when it comes to early menopause. You know, I've heard of people having it. And for me, early menopause meant 40. Okay, It definitely didn't mean anybody in their 30s. But with early menopause, the symptoms are the same as you would see with somebody who was going through menopause during that 45, 55 year period. They'll have hot flashes. They'll sweat. They can have sleep disturbances, vaginal dryness, an increase or decrease in their weight. Like the symptoms are pretty similar. They're no different than when women who are going to through their menopause during the 45, 55 year period. Right. And these are only just some of the symptoms. So I honestly don't, didn't even know that early menopause was like a legit thing, y'all. Until about last week when I got a phone call from a friend of mine And she told me that she was diagnosed with early menopause. And I'm just like, you're only 34. Like, what's going on? But come to think about it, like she has an autoimmune disease that has resulted in significant weight loss and has thrown her hormones like all out of whack. That is so crazy to me. And I'm wondering, like, is there a way for, you know, your physician to see this coming and stop it? before it you know gets to complete menopause especially for somebody in their 30s lord i know i know it's crazy it's crazy and i know there was a story that you and i were discussing about a lady who had had menopause at 15 was it that's even crazier i didn't know this occurred but it does i know i'm here thinking well yeah maybe maybe it's just a late period you know maybe she hasn't Maybe it didn't come on yet. Maybe she has a family history of it starting in her 20s. But this girl, she was 15 at the time. And like she's now, I think she was about 30 when she made the video. So it's like a legit thing. Like she she lives in England. She's a millennial. And she was saying when she was a teenager, she would go outside in the snow and be hot. And that was really the first time she noticed like, hey, something's really going on with my body because she was going through hot flashes. That's just crazy. So how can your diet really help? So earlier I mentioned that I started exercising to improve my dysmenorrhea and that that is the reason why I became vegan. So women, let's talk, talk about the exercise. Women who exercise on a regular basis are less likely to suffer from menstrual pain and menstrual cramps. Like that is a legit factual thing. Additionally, diets rich in omega-3 fatty acids, such as those found in fish, may help reduce inflammation. Mm. Decreasing animal fat as well as caffeine may also reduce the risk of PMS symptoms. And also avoiding salt can help reduce Mm. bloating and breast tenderness and swelling, which is something I need to put into play because... Let me tell y'all that, that, that breast tenderness, that's no joke. It's no joke. (laughs) Wait until you're breastfeeding. You won't know breast tenderness until then, girl. (laughs) So, I mean, definitely your diet can, of course, play a role in helping you with these issues. And, you know, whenever your body is out of whack, you're not feeding it properly, you're not treating it properly, things start to occur. Now, we're not saying that your diet is the only reason why you can be experiencing these issues, but it can definitely help when you are experiencing these issues, no matter what the cause is. 
recommendations that I would have for you guys is increasing your consumptions of leafy green vegetables and even consuming lean protein like lean animal protein that's going to help with increasing your iron intake it comes to the meat and the leafy greens when, when it comes to adding iron in your diet consuming that iron with some sort of vitamin c helps with the absorption of that iron right so you want to add like something like strawberries which are high in vitamin c or oranges or lemons or something that's high in vitamin c when you're consuming um your leafy greens that will help with the absorption like for me during my first two pregnancies i was always anemic and i told y'all i was anemic a lot when i was in my teens and even in my 20s so during my first two pregnancies, I definitely was anemic and they were prescribing me with iron supplements. And if you guys have never had iron supplements, those things will make you constipated. You, you just don't want to be taking them. So I had to be on them. And that was during the time when I was going through my H. pylori and my food intolerance issues. So I had a lot going on. But during that time, you know, as I was healing myself, I also realized that consuming three cups of spinach every morning. So I would make like a smoothie and I would blend these fruits and vegetables together. And I would add like strawberries um, along with my um, spinach, some kind of nut milk, or sometimes I use coconut water along with some other kind of fruit or vegetable. I would blend all those together and I would have them every morning. And I found that during that time, I was no longer anemic. I definitely know them iron pills because I had to take them too. Mm -mm -mm. And so with the spinach, like the, the cups of spinach, it, I would make sure it's about three cups for real, for real of green. And sometimes I use kale too. And, um, you know, during my third and my recent pregnancy, I, I have not been anemic. I have not been told that I have anemia in a while now because I've been doing this pretty regularly in my lifestyle. That's awesome. And if you guys are interested in seeing like a visual of what a overall healthy plate looks like, we're going to have that on our Facebook page. So make sure that you guys check that out. Joanne, while you were speaking, I remember something my mother had shared with me like years ago. Growing up, my mother um, had a hysterectomy because she suffered from um, uterine fibroids. And her gynecologist, the same Jamaican lady, informed her that her diet was a contributing factor to her fibroids. So, you know, we're speaking about like all these menstrual issues and fibroids can actually cause uh, having like a painful menstrual period and that heavy bleeding as well. I'm not sure if our audience is aware, but black women are two to three times more likely to have fibroids than white women. And there are other risk factors involved as well, such as age and heredity. Yeah, this is so true. So I remember, and I don't know if you remember reading this article. I read this article in Essence a while back, and it was a study that was published in one of the journals. Um, and the study basically had like thousands of premenopausal Afro-incestry women in it. And they looked at the relationship between women who relaxed or perm their hair and increased fibroids. And I do remember them talking about how black women, they saw fibroids were higher, two to three times higher in them. 
And I know we recently did an episode on natural hair and diet and nutrition, but I do know that a lot of friends and some of my family members, the reason was why they went that natural route was because of the the link that relaxers and fibroids were having. Wow, that is crazy. That is crazy. I honestly do remember hearing something about it, but really didn't look into it until you just said it. Like it kind of like jogged my memory. So like, I kind of want to go look like what is up? Like if there's like a legit link. Right, right. There is, there is. But back to um, my mother's diet. So like the gynecologist was like, you know, Norma, that's my mama's name. You're eating a lot of these root vegetables like yam and potato and coco and dashin that's contributing to your development of fibroids now let me tell you guys this i don't want you to run with this and say i'm not gonna eat any more potatoes i'm not gonna eat for those of you that are jamaican dashin and coco i'm pretty sure it's in the haitian culture as well but you guys probably call it something different i was just gonna ask you what is dashin and coco it's like these root vegetables. Like it's kind of like a different version of a potato, but it doesn't taste like a potato. It kind of has like a little stronger earthy taste. What does it look like on the outside? On the outside, it looks like, um, you ever seen yam? Do you know what Jamaican yam looks like? No, I don't know what Jamaican yams. I know what like, well, I guess we don't call it Haitian yams, but the Haitians eat it a lot. I know what those look like so i'm gonna post a picture of these items on the facebook group as well to give you guys a visual because it's kind of like barky on the outside and then for the yam inside it's like this this yellow it's a it's like a yellow starchy substance kind Mm -hmm. of like a potato but it's much more firmer than a potato and the dashin and cocoa it's barky as well but it's in a different shape and when you peel it they're white but it has like, it's it's a totally different taste. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you guys to go and say, oh, I'm not going to have these foods anymore. I'm not going to buy no potatoes. I'm not going to buy no yams. No, I have yet to find any research backing this statement. But there are some foods which are thought to promote fibroids. Like I was looking at an article from Today's Dietitian and they were stating that a lack of dairy products can be a cause of specifically uterine fibroids. And it was so interesting to me because of course, black people, we tend to be a little more lactose intolerant than our white counterparts. So they were saying that black women don't necessarily consume more calcium and this is thought to be a contributive factor in the development of fibroids. Now, you guys that are lactose intolerant, don't go drinking some milk that you know is going to make your stomach all bubbly. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Get your calcium from other sources. There is right. um like lactate-free milk. This is not a this is not a plug-in for them. There is um like your green leafy vegetables. They're good sources of calcium for those individuals that may be adhering to a plant-based diet. So that's what the article said. And then the article also brought out foods that have a high glycemic index promote the growth of fibroids as well. So basically the glycemic index is a value that is assigned to foods based on like how slow or how quickly um, it increases one's blood glucose levels. Now, root vegetables, some of them have like a medium to high glycemic index value, but 
again, they are also a good source of fiber, which does not necessarily spike the blood sugar levels. So again, I'm not saying don't eat this and eat this. I'm just saying do your research and eat a variety of foods adhering to, um, as we said in the previous episode, a overall healthy plant-based diet. You know what? I'm thinking about this and you've probably heard of this too. Did you not hear a story in regards to like a tribe in Africa that have a significant amount of multiples like twins? In the yes. tribe because they eat a lot of like root vegetables. I did. I did hear about that. So maybe there is some kind of connection, you know? Yeah, probably. So guys, this was a pretty interesting topic for us because this hit personally to our lives. It may not have affected you personally um, in regards to having fertility issues Um, reproductive issues, menstrual cycle issues or whatnot. But if you liked what you heard, please, as usual, go and give us five stars and make sure you tell your friends to tell their friends to tell their friends to listen to this podcast. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. If you haven't subscribed to the Nutrition Lifestyles podcast, please do so. Most importantly... We want to extend a special invitation to you to join the Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne Facebook page and the Nutrition Lifestyles pod club. You are not meant to do this alone. It is important for us to surround ourselves with people who mirror positivity related to health and nutrition. So all you have to do to follow our page and join our private pod club is hop on over to Facebook and search for Nutrition Lifestyles pod club and the Nutrition Lifestyles with Kim and Joanne page. Click on the join and like buttons respectively, and then you will gain access to tips to jumpstart a nutritious lifestyle, a tribe to cheer you on your journey, hot topics on health and nutrition, and also it's a hub to connect with me and Kim. We are really looking forward to mingling with you. So see you on Facebook.